Um, let's kick off this thing. We're doing a series for December called Wonder. How many, if, how many of y'all noticed the window as you were coming in? Didn't it look great? Man, I, I didn't do any of that. Natasha did all that, and it looks fantastic. Um, I want you to stand as we read the scripture that this comes from. It's Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 8 through 20. I'll read fast. You'll be fine. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened, as all of us would be. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from heaven, from them into heaven, the, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. I, I don't have time to preach that verse, but I'm telling you, if God has spoken to you, you should go straight to obedience. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lie in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, this is the verse that our theme wonder comes from, and all who heard it wondered. Your version might say marveled or were amazed. All who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Father, we're asking that you would come this morning and over the next few weeks and that you would arrest us, God. Capture our attention again. We're distracted with a lot of things, and it is a busy time of year, no doubt about it, and it's full of good stuff. But, Lord, we're asking that our souls would be full of the wonder of the Lord. Help me, God, to only say what you say, and if I don't do that well, help people not to hear it. In your name, Jesus, amen. Everybody sit down and say, help, Paul. Here we go. Some of you said that with a lot more emphasis than others. I noticed that right away. Um, we're going to kind of, uh, I feel like I disclaimer stuff all the time with you guys, but I, I just need you to know where I am as your pastor. Um, I spent the last couple weeks trying to talk God out of this message. Right, like I, I wanted to. It's Christmas, y'all. Um, this is a great time of year, and I just want to start this series. I want it to be fun, all the things. And he just kept taking me back to a specific portion of scripture that I think we'll get to today. Um, I will be aware of the time because I know that you already are, <laughs> some of you. But if we don't get all of it today, we'll just pick it up next week. Okay. So, I, but today I need to lay, just lay some groundwork, help you understand what wonder is all about. Um, so, let's start here. Everybody knows the reason for the season, yes? If I said, what is the reason for the season, you would say? Right, but the thing that we've forgotten is the glory in the story. 
I feel like some of you want to take that and market it and maybe make T-shirts and buttons and mugs, and that's fine. You go ahead and do it. Just give me some of your royalties. I think we've missed the glory in the story, and so that's what this series is all about. Let's get back to the glory in the story. Um, let's start this series on wonder by saying, oh, first I want you to know that wonder is in the Word. So I'm going to throw a ton of scriptures at you. They're not going to be on the screen because I love the people in the back, and I don't want to make them type for days. But I'll give you the verses, and you can, I'll read them to you. You can write them down. But let's start with a picture because a picture is worth how many words? A thousand. So you might say, well, what does wonder look like? And so I, threw, I think we have a picture we can show you. It's not funny. It's just, it's just, it'll just help you understand. I'm not the picture. Do we have a picture? There it is. The boy in the middle, right? And if you're a parent, I mean, isn't this the face you look for when you give the gift? Right? We talk about Stephen, my brother, all the time. Like, you wanted to give him gifts that made him go, <gasps> and usually I gave him gifts that made him go, is that it? <laughs> right? You want that. That's the reaction you're looking for on Christmas morning. Yes, that's when you know you picked out a winner, and they're just like, <gasps> that's, when I say wonder, I want you to think about that, right? The question is, first, is that reaction in the Bible? I think we struggle with emotions today. I think we struggle with what to do with our emotions. I think some of us have bought the lie that if we're super spiritual, we'll never, we'll never feel anything. And then somebody finally convinces that feelings are from God, so then we, just, we change it and say, well, if I'm super spiritual, I'll never show that I'm feeling anything. Hmm. I mean, can I just drop this quick statement on you? The difference between hype and hope is when the question turns into an exclamation. Let me explain. The why turns into an O. Hype. Hope. It's when hype happens because we're not quite sure that what we're hyping up is really going to happen. There's some question. The why dominates but when what we're expecting actually takes place, the why goes to, oh. And that's what changes hype to hope. Some of us get caught up on methods. Church should never dance and celebrate. That could just be worldly. It could be. It could just be hype if you're not sure that Jesus is who he says he is. But I'm telling you right now, y'all. When we realize that Jesus is who he says he is, that Y turns into an O, there's a reaction. Now, your reaction is going to match your personality. All the introverts say, amen. Right? So what I love about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit doesn't change Wendy into me. Holy Spirit helps Wendy be all the Wendy she's supposed to be. And I want all the Wendy that we can get. Right? So whatever your personality is, you're just going to be that personality on jet fuel, right? That's what happens. So not all of us are going to be Mike. Amen to that, right? Yeah. And we're not a church trying to, to turn quiet people into loud people and loud people into quiet. We're just a church that's like, hey, look, we don't hype things up because we know the Savior. We have hope, real hope. My whys are turning into, oh, Right? I don't have a scrunched up, squinty face. I have the face that kid had. Right? That's what we want. See Jesus and go, ooh. Wonder. So, let me just talk you through some scriptures, just so you know this is in the Bible. The Greek word for wonder 
means to wonder, to admire, and to marvel. How many of you like Marvel movies? Right? See, we already have a culture that's into this, right? We like Marvel. Like, it's in the Bible. Here we go. Tons of verses. Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. Jesus marveled at great faith. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. That's our word for wonder. And said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Don't have time to break it down. But, you know, when Jesus highlighted great faith, he was never talking about Jews. Always Gentiles. That's us, by the way. Always the outsiders that were responding to Jesus. That's what always captivated Jesus. Matthew 8, 27. The disciples marveled at the winds and waves obeying Jesus. The men, disciples, were amazed. That's our word. And asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. How many of you would have said the same thing? Sitting in a boat, thinking you're going to die. Jesus says, stop. And it stopped. I mean, y'all that are super spiritual would have been like having a praise party. I'd have been like, what just happened? Whoa. (laughs) Who is this man that I'm in a boat with right now? I mean, I'm super stoked to be in the boat because we're alive, but I'm kind of terrified that I'm in the boat with a dude that just told everything to be quiet, and it did. Right? They were amazed. They were full of wonder and marvel. Matthew 22, 22. People marveled at Jesus' answer to a tricky tax situation. How many of you would love to have the answer to a tricky tax situation? Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. He, He silenced people who were trying to trap him over finances and taxes. And when they heard this, Matthew 22, 22, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. I'm a realistic pastor enough to know that some of us will at times see Jesus for who he really is, and we will be amazed. And while some people respond toward God in amazement, we just read a verse that says some people walk away. Like, what is, whoa, that might be a little bit too much for me right now. God's still God. He's still gracious. He's still good, Right? And Psalm 139 says, if that's you today, and like this was just a little bit much, and sometimes it is. Like I'm the pastor here, right? And some Sundays, I feel like it can be a little bit too much. Man, God, I didn't get enough sleep last night. My team didn't win. The Panthers are going to lose again. Like there's all kinds of circumstances in our lives, right? And sometimes we can just walk in feeling heavy. But the Bible says in Psalm 139, if we have that response, like, whoa, God, that you're awesome but too awesome today, right? Not sure how to handle that. Psalm 139 says, where can you go and get away from that? It's not like God isn't like Velcroed to the altar here. When we go eat and leave, whatever you do the rest of the day, he's there. As a matter of fact, he's waiting on you. Which is good news if you're going to the DMV tomorrow. He's there waiting for you, and you'll be waiting with him literally for your turn in line. Mark 15, 5. Pilate was amazed at, and I love this, if you're, if you're somebody who's like, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, if, if the noise of the church, I don't mean like our church, but just the, if the noise of church can drive you crazy sometimes, like why do those people have to be so loud? Why do they have to sing that chorus 25 times? 
if that drives you crazy, and look, again, some of that's personality, right? It's, it's okay to be you here, right? You be you, we'll be us. It's all good. But what I love about this next verse is Luke 11, no, I'm sorry, Mark 15, 5, Jesus made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. It doesn't take noise to be filled with wonder. It just takes a moment where you go, whoa, this man is who he says he is. I just saw Jesus. I mean, some of the most powerful moments I've had with the Lord have not been in groups. And in a way that feels dangerous, they typically happen in the car. You're listening to a song, right? And a lyric hits you a certain way, as the youngins would say, that hit different, right? And you just go crying and like if you happen to be in Charlotte, you're in traffic, and people are like, what's wrong with you? People are videoing you. You can't get over. Like, this is a dangerous situation. But there are moments that I don't need any of y'all. I don't even really need God to speak. I just need to have this moment where I suddenly realize, like Pilate did, wait a second. It's, he, I think he's the king. Jesus made no reply. It takes no volume, no noise, no words for us to see Jesus for who he is. Luke eleven thirty eight, 38, the Pharisee was surprised that Jesus didn't wash his hands before eating. Is that too real for us? But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Jesus used that moment now. If you're a child in the room, wash your hands, please. If you work in a restaurant and you go to the bathroom, we're begging you, wash your hands. Don't do 20 minutes. Sing the song twice, right? Like, do a lot. But Jesus used this moment. He intentionally did not wash his hands so that the Pharisee would be amazed that he didn't wash his hands so that Jesus could then turn around and say, well, you know, like, I'm, you want me to clean the outside, and you clean the outside, but I've seen inside you. Not good. Jesus used that as a teaching moment. He, he set that man up. Oh, boy. I'm just saying if you work in the food industry, let Jesus handle that one, and you wash your hands. John chapter 4, verse 27. Y'all still good? I'm trying to go fast. John chapter 4, verse 27. The disciples, oh, I love this one, because we live in a culture that thinks that Christianity hates women. Some Christians are jerks. Are y'all okay with me saying that? Like, I, I mean, I'm, my pastor's one, right? Some Christians, some Christian men are, they, they were jerks before they got saved, and now they got saved, they're just jerks that are saved, right? Some people just don't know what it means to walk humbly in power. So I totally recognize that we live in a culture where some people are being called out that should be called out. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'll set you free for a second. I'm going to sound really, like, tough, but I'm just trying to set us free. Do not buy the offense and the lie of the enemy that says that that's what Christianity is. Because there's nobody on the planet that empowered women more than Jesus. There's no religion in the history of mankind that has elevated the role of women more than Christianity. Now, we're living through a little season right now in American church where there's a lot of chatter. We are a small blip on the history of Christianity. Don't buy the lie. 
Do not buy the lie. Listen to this. John chapter 4, verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised. That's our word. They were filled with wonder. They were like, whoa. To find Jesus talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? They had learned at least to be quiet. I will wander in silence, right? Because back then, men did not speak to women. And Jesus surely would know that this was not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman who was at the well in the heat of the day because she was too embarrassed to go in the cool of the day with the other women who knew all about her business. But Jesus knew her business and still talked to her, hung out with her, empowered her. She became one of those women, like, you know, the women today that people want to say that the church wants to silence, don't give women a voice. Can women be pastors? I mean, there's so much, y'all. So, and we should talk about these things. We should have conversation. We should talk about Scripture. We should be okay if we come to different conclusions. But can we agree on this? Jesus looked at a woman who said, I, well, well, I need to go tell my whole city what you just told me about me. And he didn't say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're a woman. Sit down and be quiet. I'll go tell them what I did for you. No. Who was the first person to carry the message of her empty tomb? Yeah, women. Who were the people too afraid to open the door? Men. Just saying. I'm telling you, we're going to do a series called Just Saying. I'm just saying, right? It's going to be so much fun. I'm just saying the Panthers are going to beat the Steelers next week. I was just making sure you're listening. I heard you. I saw her there. Russ is in the back. Russ, did you turn my picture off, Russ? What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Oh, it is two weeks. Yeah. I'm not a real fan. I don't even know the schedule. Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 7. This is great for Pentecostal churches. The crowds were, they marveled and were amazed and filled with wonder at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's poured out, people are speaking in other languages, or at least the Bible actually doesn't say that they're speaking in other languages. The Bible says that people heard in, in their language. Right, the miracles in the hearing, not necessarily in the speaking. So don't freak out about tongues. God's just communicating to everybody, right? And this is what they said, verse Acts 2, verse 7, utterly amazed. That's our word for wonder. They, the crowd, asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, how many of you were raised in the South? You've been here your whole life. Like, you can't hide your southern accent, right? You start talking, people are like, You are not from New York. Like, if you started speaking perfectly fluent French without any accent, that kind of thing, people would be like, wait, aren't you from Big Lick? That's what was happening here, right? Wait, aren't these people Galileans? Like, how is this happening right now? They were utterly amazed at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.13, the leaders marveled at how ordinary men, raise your hand if you're ordinary or ever feel ordinary, they marveled that ordinary men were changed just by being with Jesus. It says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished, filled with wonder, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's such good news for me, y'all. 
I've been to seminary. I've got the degree to prove it. But you don't have to go to seminary to be used by God. You can be a normal, ordinary, unschooled man. I am an ordinary schooled man, right? You can be ordinary right where you are, and people won't go, well, boy, listen to how they're talking. They must have been to seminary and taken all that educational, theological training. No, they took note that these men had been with Jesus, which means you can, you can get up tomorrow before you go to work. You can step into your secret place. You can hang out with Jesus, and you can go to work. And when you start talking, people will say, what, did you go to seminary over the weekend? No. But what, what happened? What? Oh, you're always talking about Jesus. I bet you've been hanging out with Jesus. They wondered at that. And then here's one last verse, just kind of in a, in a weird twist. We've read all these things that should fill us with wonder. And then I'm going to read you a verse that says something that we should not be filled with wonder about. 1 John 3.13. Do not be surprised. Do not be filled with wonder. Do not go, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We spend a lot of time wondering about that, don't we? Like, why, why won't they just like us? Why? <laughs> we got lights and the music's good. My pastor's kind of funny. Why can't I get the church to be liked by my friends? I keep inviting them to come. They keep saying no, but, like, we're the most, we're the most hip, cool. Like, my pastor doesn't wear skinny jeans. They're just kind of thin. I just can't get them to like it. And they talk, they talk junk about me because I go to church, and I just don't understand. God, I don't understand. I'm so full of wonder. He's like, don't, be one, don't wonder at that. Don't be surprised if they hate you. They hated me. Don't be surprised by that. I would just submit that maybe we're wondering about the wrong things, right? So all of these verses, right, all these verses, Point to one inescapable truth. If you're writing things down, just write this down. The normal Christian life, what we should expect if we're following Jesus, the normal Christian life includes moments that should cause us to go, whoa. It won't be your whole life. There will be moments that are just ordinary, right? But I refuse to just go to Walmart. Although sometimes I do just go to Walmart, rarely and only if I have to, right? But if I have to go to Walmart, when I'm in the car, I say things to God like, you know, I don't want to be here. I do not. You have sent me to a dry and barren land. But Lord, since I'm here, if there's somebody in there that I need to see, Will you make sure that I see them? Right? It's just like I expect the unexpected everywhere we go. That's the normal Christian life. That shouldn't just be something that happens every now and then. We should be captivated with who he is. So my question today is, does your life, does my life include moments that cause us to say, whoa, have we lost the glory in the story? And if we have, why? How? 
Can I try to get through one more Bible story? I'm trying, I really do want to be sensitive to the time. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And this is the part that I, I talked to God for a couple weeks about, like, please don't make me do this. I don't want to talk about this. It's a weird story. But I think that this might help us understand why. If you have, like, lost the glory in the story, if, if you are like me and you look at your whole life and you're just kind of like, I don't know if I'd say there's any moments in my life that just make me go, whoa. Like, I, I'm kind of just going through the motions. I, I read the Bible, don't get much out of it. I pray because I know I'm supposed to, but I don't, I mean, then I talk to other people who prayed, and I'm just like, wow, they've really got a connection with God, and I don't feel like I do. If that's you, we have to ask ourselves this question, like, how do we lose it, right? We sang a song, You're Still My First Love. If we don't feel like he's our first love, if there's nothing there, we have to figure out, like, how do we get back to that? And sometimes the way we can do that is by looking at, at somebody who lost it and learning from them. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, um, I'm just going to read the first eight verses and then maybe just try to give you a couple takeaways that, that I, I got from it. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. David, King David, that is, again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. And he and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. Now, we don't have time to go into this, but like the ark of the covenant. It, it was literally a box, right? It was beautiful. And it symbolized the presence of God because he literally, when it was in the tent, there was this thing called tent of meeting. When it was in the tent, the presence of God would come down and literally sit on top of that ark. You with me? So it symbolized the presence or the glory of God. As a matter of fact, the word in the Old Testament for glory is kavod. Everybody say kavod. You feel smart around, right? You're like, I know Hebrew. I know Kavad. Like, we should talk about the Kavad of God. It rhymes in everything, right? The glory of God. And that word Kavad literally means weightiness, right? There was a heaviness about the presence of God. So they, they, they went to get the ark, verse 3. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ohio, Ohio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. By the way, there's this thing right now called Davidic worship. Have you heard this? And everybody's like, we should worship like David did. Okay, we'll do that next week. I'm looking at all of us. Right? If you want to get biblical about it, well, we should get back to Davidic worship. Okay? Then next week I should see you celebrating with all your might before the Lord. Right? This doesn't count. Just making sure you know that. We'll just call it all out. Um, and also, while you're out, you should bring castanets. First, you have to look it up because I don't know what that means. It sounds like a fishing term. I, I think like little symbols. Castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels. Systems and symbols. So there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of activity. David's leading all that. He's into it, right? That's a big deal. Verse 6. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah 
reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. So all that happened in that one verse. The oxen go over like this little bump in the road. They stumble. The ark starts to slide. And Uzzah, who's helping to guide this process, reaches his hand out, touches the ark. Are you with me? That's, that's, that's all he did. Verse 7, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. That's all he did, and he died. Just make sure you're hearing the same story that I'm reading, right? Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah, which literally means the Lord broke out against Uzzah. Just makes, when we sing those songs, like, spirit break out. I don't want to die, <laughs> right? I don't want to die. Some takeaways. David was intent on restoring the glory of God to the people of God. So we're talking a whole series called Wonder, and the tagline is recapturing the glory in the story. We are, as a church, intent on recapturing the glory of God, right? There's a heaviness to the glory of God. So if, if you've ever come into church here or any other church, and you could just sit here and go through the motions and it didn't even affect you, then you've not felt the heaviness of the glory of God. And I would argue that in the American church, that's gone. That heaviness, the weightiness of holy cow. Like, sometimes y'all might look at me like, Paul, do something. Like, 20 people have grabbed the mic and spoken. Do something. Stop this. But I am, if I'm being honest, I'm right there saying to God, like, I don't want to mess with what you might be doing. Because there's a heaviness. I'd rather answer to you than to him. I'll be wrong. I have no doubt about it. I have been. I will be again. But I, I just, there's a weightiness of it, right? I feel that. So David was intent on restoring that heaviness of God, the glory of God to the people of God. And let's just talk through verse 3. They set the ark of God on a new cart. Just jot this down, Exodus 25, verses 14 through 15. When God was giving them instructions about building the the ark and how to carry the ark and all that, this is what he wrote down. Insert the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry it. So just picture the box. And so there's four corners at the bottom. There were rings made of gold, and they had poles that were supposed to go through those rings so that four men could pick it up and put that on their shoulder and carry the ark. Are you with me? Are you visualizing it? I thought about having some men act it out, but we don't need that right now, right? You can see this. That's how they were supposed to transport the ark. They weren't supposed to put it on a new cart, right? And not only were they supposed to transport it on those rings, verse 15, Exodus 25, 15 says those rings were, the poles were never supposed to come out. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. I have a simple question. How they fit the ark on the cart if their poles were still in it? They weren't there. Like, well, I know they weren't there, Paul. I know the Bible. The Philistines had the ark, and they had taken the poles out because, you know, ungodly people aren't going to do what God wants them to do, Paul. That's why we boycott Disney, right? Yeah, but, but the people of God have it now. 
So they should have put the poles back in. Well, they probably couldn't find them. They should have made new ones. Well, that's just a lot of hassle. Oh, like coming to church at 9 o'clock. Hmm. It is a hassle, isn't it? I mean, it is. I invite people to come to our church all the time. They're like, what time are your services? None. That's the faith. They have a wonder moment. They go, whoa. <laughs> like I, I'm, and I just hear, it's just to set you free when you're inviting your friends. This is why I tell them, I get it. I totally get it. Right? Like Christmas morning, 9 o'clock, we'll be here. And people will say, like, are you kidding me? Like every church I know is not having Christmas service, not having church on Christmas Day. Hey, I can't answer for those people. I'm just telling you, it's not religious. I just don't, I cannot envision a, a life where I wouldn't call the people of God to gather in the house of God to celebrate the gift of God that Christmas is about. It's not like, I mean, I appreciate that, but you don't have to, it's not like I'm not making a stand. I'm just saying, like, I just personally, like, if y'all don't want to come, I'll just come hang out, right? But, like, it's the whole reason we do this. That's the whole reason. What about our family? Bring them. They won't come. It's at 9 o'clock. I know. Like, make the new poles and put them in and pick the ark up, right? My point here is my takeaway is that why did they get a new cart? Number one, it was easier. And I think we have tried to make carrying the presence of God easy, which is one reason why we don't have the presence of God, because his presence is not light. There is a weightiness and a heaviness to it. And then I asked the question, like, but why a new cart? Why not an old cart? Why a cart at all? And so we're in 2 Samuel 6. You'd have to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 6 to get the reason why. And the reason why is because the Philistines had fought God's people. They had won, and they had taken the ark back to their land. And because the Philistines, who were not the people of God, had the presence of God, they were cursed. Bad things were happening. And because the Philistines were smart people, at some point they were like, this is crazy. we got to get rid of this thing. I don't really know what this thing is and why there's poles in it, but we got to get rid of this thing. How can we send it back? Guess how they send it back? They got a new cart. It's in 1 Samuel 6. They, got a, they didn't just get a cart. They made a new cart. And they put this ark on it. And then they sent, they, they hitched it up and they went, Wah! and they watched it walk back to the people of God. So the people of God saw this cart coming toward them with the ark on it. Are y'all good so far? And they knew, like, God's presence has returned to us. And guess what they started doing? Davidic praise. I don't know how you dance. I mean, some of y'all have good dancing. Like, I watch some of y'all dance. I'm like, I wish I could dance like that. When I, I, I might, my dance might just be like, mm, Spirit of God hit me. I'm doing that Bill Cosby head thing. I don't know, right? But, like, however you, but something, right? Like, in two weeks, Pittsburgh scores a touchdown. You're probably not going to be like, that was awesome. Up, right? Like, college football playoffs in full swing. People painting their faces, their bodies. They're exposing parts they should never expose, Right? They're a little happy because they've been drinking some stuff, whatever. But they're still, like, they're free, and they're celebrating. And that's what the people of God did when they saw that car come back. They were like, what, what is, what, it's the ark. 
it's the ark. And they're like, I mean, maybe they did the old school dance, right? Maybe they did, maybe they did the floss. I don't know. But they did something because the presence of God was back. And here we fast forward one book to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And when it was time to bring the ark back from where it was to Jerusalem, because David wanted to establish a place of worship and praise. Let's get a new cart. Remember how awesome it was when that thing came rolling in? Remember how we danced and celebrated? Remember how we had the castanets going crazy? Wasn't that a great day? Let's do that again. Let's build a new cart. And let's bring it back. And they completely disobeyed God. They, they copied the method of the world. Listen, I love, I love lights, smoke. I love it all. But my heart is so sensitive to the Lord. I don't want to copy the dead practices of the world when we're trying to worship a living God. But I also have read Revelation. Heaven's going to be loud. There's going to be a light show like we've never seen. There's going to be some smoke. Now, the smoke is the glory of God, the kavod of God. They were copying. We saw the Philistines do it. Let's do it. The Philistines might be smart because, like, they didn't have to carry it. They weren't tired. They just, like, put on a cart. They weren't even with it. They just sent it to us. I'm telling you, the church can't carry the glory of God with worldly methods. I personally believe this. Not in Scripture. You won't find it. I'm just giving you my, my interpretation of it. I ask God these questions. Why? poles why God why would you make the men pick up this heavy ark it was made out of gold y'all it was heavy why would they have to pick it up and carry it on poles on their shoulders that doesn't make any sense if you're in business you've heard work smarter not harder yeah so this is not computing right am I the only one God doesn't make any sense why would you make it so hard for them and this is what I feel like he said to me because you have to be strong to carry the weight of my presence. And you need, I want you to feel the weight of my presence. Do you know, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> okay, that's debatable. <laughs> I'm just saying all this because, I, I, you know, we, we try, we want to create a culture, one that honors the presence of God, and that, that calls us to wonder about his, like, wow, God. Look how amazing you are, right? Like, I don't want to create a culture where we just go, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Because we say it like we think it's true, but we don't even know what we're saying. We're just repeating something. I want to create a culture where we go, God is good, and that's all we can get out of our mouths. And we're just like, whoa, God, you're so good. But I also recognize that while we're creating that culture, there are just times when, like, we just aren't going to engage because it's hard to engage because the, the weightiness and we're like sometimes I think I think I'm I try to get into y'all's heads a little bit and so I can hear some of you sometimes on some Sundays going like Paul I love you I really do but I just wish you'd just be thankful that I'm here 
right? Don't ask for anything else. Just be, I mean, just be glad I'm here. I lived through COVID, Paul, and I, I know there's a lot of people that didn't come back, but I'm not one of those people. I'm here. Ta-da. Right? And I just want you to know, we're so thankful that you're here. I mean, generally, I tell women all the time, this has become my favorite day of the week. I love hanging out with you guys. But there's a weightiness of what he wants to do through us in our city that will not allow me to let you just sit. It won't allow me just to sit. We have to pick this up, this presence of God, and carry it. And as we carry it, we should feel the weight Oh, there's something to this. Multiple times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, you'll read, you'll read scriptures like this that the people would say about Jesus. He said, I'm paraphrasing, he says the same words that we hear the Pharisees say, but this man teaches with authority because there was weight to his words. Have you ever talked to somebody who's, who says they're going through the same thing you're going through. And as they talk to you about how you should do your life as you go through it, you just are like, you just know in your head, they've never really been through this. Because <laughs> their words are light, right? They're telling you what they think you need to hear. But you could take those exact same words and have a conversation with somebody who, who says those exact same words, and they would hit different because there's a weight to them. It's like somebody coming through a funeral line and saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. And you're like, well, that's, they're just saying that. But then somebody comes right behind them and says, I'm so sorry for your loss. And you're like, I don't even know this person, but this person has lost before. You just feel the weightiness. Are you with me? I want that, y'all. I want when you and I, because we're going to work our way to the end of the series, and what you're going to find out is like that star that we're going to highlight so much, when the shepherds saw it, they were like, whoa, there's like a lot of light up in the sky. And this is kind of, when the wise men saw it, they said, we saw a star, and it captivated us enough to bring us on a two-year journey. And Philippians says, guess what you and I are supposed to do? We're supposed to shine like stars. In a crooked, dark, depraved world, when we open our mouths, there should be weight. And the reason that there's not is because we look like Philistines. We copy in the world's methods. We just try to do it the way they did it. I went on a pastor's retreat one time. It was so good. This church paid for it. They were like, we just want to invite pastors to come and just relax for a weekend. Just, just be yourselves. I'm fixing to say something that don't, don't read too much into it. Like, I'm not judging. I'm just making a statement. Can I just do that? And I walked in, and this is how they greeted us. And if any of my pastors that are watching this were at that weekend, thank you for providing it for us. Just, anyway, know my heart. They greet us like this. It's just, it's just dudes. They say, guys, we're so glad you're here. I mean, this, our church is honored to pour into you guys. And I'm, I was so dry, so thirsty. It was such a great time for me. I was just like, this is going to be so good. This is the, the, the fridge is stocked with beer. We got cigars out on the counter. 
we just want you guys to be men. Just be, feel free to be, just be a dude, right? No, no, no judgment. No, just be a dude. And I'm sitting there the whole time like, now, full disclosure, I don't drink. I think it tastes, well, I can't say what I think it tastes like. It's nasty, right? So it's easy for me not to like that because I don't like it, right? I don't smoke cigars. But, but the first thing I thought was like, what are we doing? Do I have to do that to be a man? And if that's the case, oh, by the way, y'all that just provided this weekend for us, have you also brought the free porn? I mean, how far are we going to go with this? Are we going to be holy or are we not going to be holy? Are we going to live a life that's set apart or are we not going to live a life that's set apart? And I know right, even as I start saying it, I can feel the intensity rising and I can just sense that some of you are like, that's so legalistic. No, it's called a standard. It's just a standard. It's all it is. He'll help you provide one as well. But he didn't call me to look like the world while I preached God's message. That's what, that's what got Uzzah killed. But, but Uzzah was just a dude, and he was just trying to help out God. God doesn't need our help, number one. He, would, he wants your obedience more than your help. They weren't supposed to touch the ark. As a matter of fact, before we get to this story, thousands of people had died because they had looked into the ark, which they weren't supposed to do. You're like, I thought that was an Indiana Jones movie. They got it from the Bible. We're supposed to be different, y'all. It should matter to us. We can't be like the world and expect the glory of God. We're going to stop right there. Two more, a couple more statements and then we'll pray. Before we can carry the glory of God, the glory of God has to cleanse us. This is a weird statement, right? But we can't see God's glory without exposing our gory. You know when you're sleeping in a room and it's dark and you're sound asleep? Isn't that the best? I think it is. I'm not really alert, but it is the best. We know it's the best. And then somebody just turns the light on. I mean, is there anybody in the room that just sits up and goes, thank you for that? Okay, you're like, you're like doing this with your eyes and like pulling the pillow over your head and like diving from the top of the bed into where your feet are under the covers. And you're like, as you're doing all that, you're yelling, turn the light out. Like because light exposes, y'all. It exposes. And what I want you to get out of this next month is that he is coming to expose us. But think about the shepherds. Back to the very first verses that we read just to make sure that you were following and paying attention. Luke chapter 2, verse 17. When the shepherds had seen this, pay attention what they made known. They made known the statement, the words which had been spoken to them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. You know why? The shepherds didn't come in talking about the light show. We were out on the hill, and suddenly, wow, stranger things. No. They were like angels appeared 
And this is what they told us. They quoted the word of God. They said, this is what they told us. And now we see it with our own eyes. We talk about all the stuff that doesn't matter. But when we start to share the word of God, the truth of God, that's what fills people with wonder. Because we share it like this. I'm just a shepherd. Like, literally, society has thrown me away. They said, if you can't get a job in the business world, go flip burgers. That's who shepherds were. They were dirty. They were cast out. They didn't fit in anywhere. And who heard the good news first? Those people. As I tell my fellow pastors, the shepherds, who were faithful and kept watch over their flock at night, they're the ones that got the good news first. Hey, pastors, keep being faithful, even at night, because that's where the good news comes first. The shepherds, you know when they showed up and they saw the baby and they started talking about what they'd been told? I think that what was in their words, the weight that was in their words was we still can't get over that they told us. Us. We're just telling you what they told us, and look, we're just shepherds. But this is what they said, and here he is. I'm praying that you find that glory again. I'm praying that our church finds that glory again. And I'm just telling you there will be a price to pay for it. The price will probably be your comfort and mine. It'll be a little tiring. But, y'all, let's carry that to the world. Let's carry his glory to the ones that need it the most. Because he has revealed it to us first so that we could take it to them. Come on, let's stand together. I'm going to pray us out of here. We're going to go eat some food. Next week we'll dive into this a little bit more, and we'll talk about how um, why it's, why it's so bad to think that we should deserve all of God's goodness without admitting any of our badness, right? And why we're broken and how he wants to use us anyway next week, yeah. But for now, God, I just want to say thank you for your presence and for your glory. It's been, this literally has been heavy today, God, as we've just kind of examined Scripture and seen how you so desperately want to move in our lives in such a way that would fill us and those around us with wonder. And so I just pray over the gathering, over this house, God, those that are in the house physically, those that are watching online. God, I pray that you would move in our lives in such a way that when we open our mouths to speak the words that you've given to us, people would take note and say, we've been with you. That they would sense a heaviness and a weightiness to our words and that that would point them back to your glory. And we want to carry your presence. We want to carry your glory. And so help us, God, to be attentive to you and to your word and to be obedient to it, not to earn anything, but just so that we can be a vessel that carries you wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.